And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers with Mark Lazarus, both of us at The Athletic. Mark, hello. How you doing, Scott? I'm good. How are you? Are you ready for the draft lottery tonight? The uh, big, big moment of the year for the Blackhawks? Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, they won a playoff series. Wait a second. Yeah, this is uh, different, strange. Um, <laughs> it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, right? It's... Uh, and like you said, there, there, there's so many benefits to this, I think, ultimately. And, and I get, I think we both got why people may have wanted them to lose a series and have a run at the uh, the number one pick. But now that they're here and this is done, it's, um, yeah, I feel like fans need to embrace and have fun with it, you know? Like, these are, I don't think the Blackhawks are any more likely to win the Stanley Cup, but crazy things have happened. And, you know, like, they're playing with house money now, and it's, um yeah, just the emergence of Doc and, you know, like Taves is playing like the Taves of five years ago. And, you know, like all these things are happening for the Blackhawks. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's nice to be covering some meaningful hockey again. Yeah, you know, coming into this whole return to play format, I was like, all right, well, it's a win-win situation. Do they get a chance at the number one pick and they get a draft lottery spot? Or they get at least two playoff rounds. And, and I, I, I was surprised by how many people were kind of ambivalent after they beat the Oilers in game four. Like, oh, you know, Lafreniere really could have changed the course of this franchise. It's like, well, yeah, but you probably weren't getting him anyway. Seven out of eight chance you weren't going to get him. And you're going to be picking like, what, 14th or 15th or something like that. So I I don't understand, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, they're just going to get rolled by the Avs or the Knights. And it's like, well, yeah, probably. But I don't understand that mentality as a fan. I mean, it's been three long years since you've had anything to be this excited about as a hockey fan, and it's coming in like the worst summer in you know modern human history, you have all this exciting stuff to watch and enjoy and have fun with, and to just be all you know about it, I just I just don't understand that fan mentality. I mean, what's the point of being a sports fan if you can't enjoy your team winning a playoff series? Yeah, and I, and I wonder how much of it is. I mean, we we, we get the. I, I feel like on Twitter and social media, like we we see those people in the comments, the people who are angry. We we just we give those people more focus than because uh, there's gonna be people enjoying this, right? Like the, this is a distraction. This is like it's another week of hockey. You, you get the 
luckily only stay up one late one night. You, you can actually watch these games and get a decent night's rest on, on the other three coming up. But, um, yeah, like there's, there's, you know, like, again, the Blackhawks may not win the Cup, but there's exciting hockey being played. It's meaningful hockey being played for the first time in, in, in three years for the Blackhawks. They won a series. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it's... Um, I, I, I'm curious of what the actual, you know, like what where the, where the fan split is and how much people are are angry about the Blackhawks advancing and how much are people just enjoying this and um, it's uh, and there and and it, I don't know what it means for the present but the future I think there's still some optimism and went for the Hawks when when Doc is playing like Doc's you know Doc just played 23 minutes and in and uh, a game and he, he's playing more ice time than any other forward and. and if the Blackhawks are going to have any shot at winning another cup, it's guys like Doc and Boquist. They're going to have to uh, emerge and become these next level players, and, and and you're starting to see that from 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 Doc and, and Boquist is is coming along and playing key minutes in, in these big series, and um and even the game in Kubalik League had five point game, you know, like it just it's uh, they're they're guys who are going to play factors in the you know for the Blackhawks for many years who are starting to emerge at, at this point. And I think it matters, you know, uh, I've been hearing Montreal people talk about, well, you know, that, that team's not as far along as maybe even the Blackhawks are. So fans are up in arms and not, not getting the home province, Lafreniere and all that. But it, just like with Montreal, I think this matters a lot to the older guys on the team. It kind of reinvigorates them. You know, Taves and Kane and Keith, they can see the light at the end of the tunnel now. Like, winning a playoff series, seeing Kirby Doc play the way he's playing, you know, seeing Kubalik do what he's doing, you know, it makes them think, well, shit, maybe we're really not that far off. And I think that really matters to these guys who sometimes felt like they were just kind of, you know, playing for the sake of playing the last couple of years because it was so hopeless. And they were just like, we used to be the best in the world and now we're just another team and it sucks. So I think it's really important for them to experience this again and to see young guys stepping up and realize that help is on the way and that maybe this team's not quite as far off as they thought they were. And and, and there's going to be such a quick turnaround. The fact to have those guys are reinvigorated and motivated, like it's I think this does mean more for maybe even the 2021 season. Um, I, I guess I get whenever that technically starts, whether it's in 21. But um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely see the positives to this, and, and you know, Bowman and Colleton are coming back, and um, you know, it's. Uh, I think the more that the Blackhawks kind of, you know, kind of. I guess fans grasp onto that this is the future and, you know, it's, it's this group mostly and, and you're going to insert Mitchell and Pia Suter and some guys and you certainly have some changes. Um, but this is the group that they're going to probably try to win a win, win another cup with in the next few years and, and we'll see if they can actually do that. But it does take those young guys to take the next step. And um, it's uh, – and Vegas is a different animal. It's uh, – this will be this will be an interesting series where it's uh, – Edmonton was flawed and I think the Blackhawks took advantage of that and it was, it was a sloppy series in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, Edmonton's power play and, you know, a lot of those things live up the hype. But um, ultimately we, we knew the Blackhawks had a chance against, against the Oilers and um, I think a lot of pe- people, you know, kind of projected at least there's a chance. And, and now it's a series where people are saying the Blackhawks don't really have a chance. So – um, it's going to take something bigger and better to uh, overcome. Are we just calling them the Knights now? I know you, you don't like to read I will not call them the Golden Knights every single time. That's ridiculous. That is a ridiculous, <laughs> long... No, they are the Knights upon second reference. Look, Vegas is scary as shit. Like, they are really, really good. They're legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. We'll get into them in a second. But I want to ask you this. 
Do yep. you think Stan Bowman is just strutting around Edmonton right now, cock of the walk, feeling vindicated right now? I mean, you look, we, we people criticized him for picking Kirby Doc. He's been the best player in that draft by far right now, better than Hughes and Kako. Uh, and he certainly looks worthy of that number three pick. You know, Brandon Manning for Drake Kajula, Dominic Kubalik, uh, he, he, trading Leonard and because he believed in, because, you know, he knew he couldn't re-sign him and, and Crawford's been playing great. Do you think that there's, and he's never going to come out and say it because he's not that kind of big personality, but in his head, when he's walking around, he's always walking, he's always walking with a phone uh, attached to his ear. Do you think that he's got a little bit of a hop in his step right now thinking, fuck yeah, I was right all along, fuck everybody else? Yeah, but I, th- I think he also gets that this team's not a cup contender. And, and even when he talked to Pierre LeBron uh, for a story today that ran on The Athletic, would just you know he he mentioned that basically saying this is an elite isn't an elite team yet. And yeah. so I think he knows that it, there's still some steps to take. But yeah, I'm I'm sure that you know Danny Wirtz is support of him, and um, you know the fact that some of these things have worked out and. Uh, they want you know Pia Suter was another big free agent, free agent get for them and you know they're uh, they're hopefully Ian Mitchell steps in the lineup and you know th- there's certainly reasons to be more optimistic about the Blackhawks right now than maybe they were um, when when the season started maybe Andrew Shaw comes back and you know like there's there's all these different things that can play out still so um, but yeah there's got to be some confidence right or you know just it's it, well I mean just look at our look at the comment sections in our stories for the better part of a year. No matter what we wrote about, we could write about like you know, you know, uh, Alex Abrinkit's <laughs> dog, and it would turn into a fire stand thread. Everything was fire stand, fire stand, stand clown nose, stand clown nose, and that's all we saw on Twitter and in the comments for so long now. And uh, I'm sure those people are still out there, and you can still even justify a lot of it. But it's yeah. been a lot quieter all of a sudden, hasn't it? Yeah, and it, it all feels weird, you know. Like it's just, it's the Blackhawks weren't going to make the playoffs, likely. So this all. The like pandemic was really good to the Chicago Blackhawks. There's no other way of looking at it. <laughs> right. So on the one hand, like, yeah, like this is, you know, it, it worked out for the Blackhawks, certainly. Like it's, it, it all, you know, the Kirby Docs had this second season basically and come back, uh, you know, a bigger and better player. And Stan uh, Bowman's actually the guy who ate the bat in China or whatever it was to release the virus. <laughs> it's all part of his master plan. Um. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I guess you just you take it for what it is, you know. Like it, this is what happened. The Blackhawks got in. The Blackhawks have won around. The Blackhawks are looking better, and um, there's a reason why the Blackhawks, you know, can be better next season. So, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, this this all worked out for the Blackhawks better than you know than than Stan Bowman, and Jeremy Carlton, and everyone uh, were probably projecting this season because all you know, and and we can we can get into Robin Leonard a little bit, but. Um, ultimately, when, when at the trade deadline, I don't fault Stan Bowman for trading Ryman Leonard. If, if you know, at that point, the Blackhawks weren't going to make the playoffs. If he didn't think that they could resign Leonard, and um, from all accounts, I don't think they got to the financial picture. But if he's projecting that what the cap was going to be, um, you know, it certainly wasn't supposed to be. You know, it was going to be still at eighty-one point five at that point. But you know, if he's looking at what he's going to pay Kubalik or Strom. Um, I'm curious to what it what it comes down to because maybe it was a decision that we're going to resign Crow, uh, resign Crawford over over Leonard, um, but but ultimately if they sign a goalie for six or seven million or whatever this offseason, then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because it seemed like Leonard was was willing to cut down on the term, um, and ultimately the asking price probably would have been you know six or seven million. I don't think he was going to get much more on the open market, and even now that's going to be difficult. 
Um, you know, you, you look at where the cap's going to be and a lot of teams where their goalies are going to be. So I'm curious when Leonard ends up or, or maybe he sticks in Vegas. But I, I don't think the financial – he's not going to get paid what he's probably worth and, and what he's proven to be in recent years. But um, Well, well, it's, if, t- it's, it's tough, right? I mean, he spent all year openly saying, I am not going to take less. I am going to get what I deserve because for two straight years, I've taken one-year deals below market value because nobody trusted me to be a good goalie anymore because the mental health issues and everything else. But I've proven that I can, and I'm going to get paid. He kept saying that and kept saying that and kept mm-hmm. saying that. And you know, if you're a Vezina finalist and you're playing great like he was in the first half of the year, that's a seven, eight, nine million dollar goalie. So I can understand Stan Bowman's trepidation there. Now, Leonard claims and Leonard's camp claims that he was willing to take a three-year deal. That's fine, but what was the value of that deal? Because like you said, the Blackhawks can't afford six or seven million. If they're going to re-sign Crawford, it's because he's willing to take less to stay in Chicago. Like he, they can't afford more than $4 million for a goalie probably. They just don't have the money. Kubalik is too much of a priority. They have too many guys out there that they need to re-sign. That, uh, you know, even if they let Strom walk or trade him, which I still don't think they're going to do, they don't have $6 million for a goalie. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be up to Corey Crawford to understand, look, the cap is flat. I've been with this organization for 15 years, and I'm willing to take less to stay on another one- or two-year deal. That's the only way the Blackhawks come out of this with the number one goalie next year. Which is funny because the Blackhawks have never really – like, no one's really given them a sweetheart deal, right? Like, it's – Yeah, I remember Brandon Saad was going to do that, and then a week later he was traded. Yeah, I mean, Shaw, Shaw was going to give him a decent price, and he got traded. And um, Yeah, I don't – like – it's got to be hard for Crawford to swallow because six million when he got signed was a really good deal. But now, if he takes anything less, people than thought he was mil- overpaid when they made that deal. Don't forget, it yeah, was like, oh for my sure. god, six million dollars! And, th- and that was the early. I mean, at that point, six million dollars for a goalie was a lot, and now six million dollars is, you know, it probably puts him about in the middle of the league. So um, he's still proven that he can play at an elite level, and there's certainly there's there's risk considering his you know some of his history and those type in his age now, but. Um, I don't know what else the Blackhawks' options are unless Crawford t- gives them a, a deal. You know, like there, there aren't going to a lot of be a lot of uh, goalies in the free agency, and especially goalies taking that price. And and and, and I guess it, everything's got to be changed now because of where the cap is and and expectations for uh, UFA is going to be different. But um, yeah, I, I think it's it's also a tough sell for Bowman to say, well, you've won two cups and you've been really good over these six years of this contract, but now we need you to take less money and you know you just want us a series and and who knows who knows whatever else in this well, in these playoffs. But it'll um, there's some tough like even Strom's like an interesting decision. Like I like Strom hasn't been good and he wasn't good against the Oilers and um, certainly Doc's you know he, he's jumped them now for a spot as a second center at least and. Um, I don't think you pay Strom, right? Like, you don't have the money, A, B, he doesn't have arbitration rights. Um, I mean, you, you may just tell him to prove it again. And here's, He's also here's, not playing. He, he hasn't played that well the last yeah, half of the but, season. Yeah. And, but you just qualify him and you qualify him for 900000 whatever it is, and that may be what he's just stuck with next year on a one-year deal, and the Blackhawks and he can decide after that where things go. But the Blackhawks are going to have some really tough financial decisions, and and some of it's got they got to figure out if this is a team that say they get destroyed by Vegas. Like there, there's some ways that you need to still improve, like <clears throat> Doc and Boquist and those guys taking the next steps important. But if there are areas that aren't working consistently against top teams and at this level, then you may need to kind of alter the landscape too and, and decide what's what's best to win. You know, like Nylander and Strom, 
there were a lot of optimism, in, you know, after considering kind of, you know, it was only training camp, but, you know, we saw it in scrimmages and practices day after day for a week or two there where they were two of the better players on the ice, and now they've they've disappeared, and um, and and it's it's not completely surprising considering what you know the regular seasons were. So at some point, the Blackhawks need to make some picture, you know, make some decisions on what what are these guys' ultimate ceilings are, where are they going, and how do they fit kind of the team structure? I, I still think when it comes down to it, that Crawford will be here next year. Um, it's different with a you know Brandon Saad when he was in his third year versus. Corey Crawford in his 724th year with the organization. <laughs> yeah. He's just been here forever. He doesn't want to move. He's got two little kids. The Hawks have always been good to him. Through his concussions, he raves about the way they handled everything. And you look at the free agent market for goalies. I mean, what are you going to get? Like a Thomas Grice, Cam Talbot, Anton Hudobin, Brian Elliott? These guys are all in their mid-30s also and not very good compared to Corey Crawford. Those are going to be the goalies in your price range. I think that they're going to be able to make it work. I think a lot of players are going to have to swallow the fact that the money's not going to be out there in free agency either. Everyone's up against a flat cap that they didn't see coming. Nobody's going to be getting long-term deals because nobody knows how long the cap is going to stay flat for. It could be two years. It could be four years. It could be five years. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of one-year, two-year, uh, you know, below-market-value deals. I think Crawford is going to understand that and be willing to take a one- or two-year deal at 3 or $4 million. I think he's going to have no choice because the market's not going to be out there for someone looking to get a $7 million goalie spot. So, yeah, the Blackhawks do have a lot of hard decisions to make, but... I think that the teams have a lot more leverage than they think because players are going to see the landscape out there and go, well, that team has no money, that team has no money, that team has no money. And there's not going to be a lot of options for free agency. So you're going to see fewer guys changing teams and more guys just re-signing at probably below market value. Um, We got to get into the Vegas series. There's a million things more to talk about. But first, we have a message from Indochino. All right, we're back. And now it's time to look ahead because holy crap, dude, Vegas is a really good team. Um... I, I was reading, I was going through Dom uh, Luschizen's uh, and, and Harmon Dial's uh, preview, and it was like they were writing about the, the, the 1950s Canadians against, you know, a, a, a Tiddlywinks team from the suburbs. I mean, it's just 75%. You do not see in these analytic series previews 75% chance of winning. That's massive, massive odds in favor of Vegas. It, and I agree, it's hard to see the Blackhawks win. I fully expect Corey Crawford to steal a game. I fully expect Taves and Kane and Keith to have one of those vintage games. But I don't see this series going past six games. It's hard to imagine the Hawks winning four out of seven. It's always interesting in these stories for me to kind of read. Like like we just watched four games. Like we watched every single minute of the Blackhawks-Oilers. And I felt like the Blackhawks played pretty well. And then you look at the analytics. And, they were getting and killed. How, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's it's interesting. It's like it's um, – and even – But to be I fair, wrote, that's, that's kind of the Blackhawks thing. I mean, they – they get swamped. They don't get as many chances, but they have such high-end finishers that they tend to overperform some of those metrics. So you have to take some of it with a grain of salt. Well, what's funny is that usually the people that exceed the expectations are Kane and Brinkett, and they combine for one goal in the first series. Right. So it was, it was uh, yeah, it was in like the first game of Blackhawks. You know, you look at the analytics; they were really good. And um, but as the series went on, the Edmonton, you know, got better and better in some ways, and uh, Crawford got better and better. And, um, and, and some of it, you know, even I looked at the analytics, so I was trying to figure out, you know, I felt like the last game the Blackhawks played, played 
decently and, and but you know the expected goals were like at 35 percent or something like that and, and a lot of it had to do with like Edmonton had like 15 more scoring chances in the third period when the game you know when they got desperate too so I, I feel like some of those score effects do play into it but overall I thought it was a decent series but when you look at what Vegas is you know uh, top to bottom and and uh, you know their goal expectations and guys like Mark Stone and and certainly just kind of more rounded players and um there's got to be a couple areas that Blackhawks need to take advantage of have any chance in this series. And one, one's Crawford. And, uh, you know, the fact that Vegas has two goalies at, at, at a high level certainly helps them. But um, I, I think the power play is another two where, where Vegas isn't as good on the penalty kill as Edmonton. And, um, you know, Vegas' power play isn't as good as the Oilers is, but it's still pretty good. But it, it's got to be, you know, at, at the end of the day, the Blackhawks ended up, I think it was a minus one in goal differential and, in the uh, in special teams, so um, you know you, you got to win that. You got to you got to score more goals in the Knights in, in that area, and um, you need more from DeBrinket and Kane certainly. And um, yeah, you just you, you need you need Strom's line to show up. You, you're going to need more of a four line effort because Vegas is is more rounded, and they're going to bring it to you from top to bottom. And um, you know, as good as Drysdale and McDavid are, this is this is a different animal in that it's just you know these players possess the puck and they don't make the same mistakes and defensively they're they're more solid and um yeah it, it's it's just a, it's going to be a different task and the blackhawks are really going to need some extraordinary performances but more also just players the you know like they 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 need they need Kajula to stay on the ice and they need Nylander to show up and um and and Boquist and some of these guys can't have those those drop-offs at times we've seen in some of these in, in, as we saw in the first series yeah, I like the way you phrased that that Kane story you wrote over the weekend where, you know, what 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 a good thing it is. I mean, Patrick Kane, he got his points in that series against Edmonton, but he wasn't that noticeable. Like he really didn't seem to do he didn't take over the game certainly the way that we expect him to take over the game. So you have to think there's more there and if Taze is playing the way he's playing and uh, and Doc is playing the way he's playing and Kubalik's playing the way he's playing and if Kane and Debrinket show up, well then maybe they can keep up, but it's 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 such a it's so hard to forecast the series. We don't even know who the goalie's going to be for Vegas. Yeah. And they've got Marc Andre Fleury, who is you know one of the most playoff proven performers in the league, but they, he's not the best goalie on the team. And then you got Robin Leonard, who's barely played at all in the playoffs, but was fantastic last year for the Islanders in the playoffs. He had a nine thirty six in two rounds. You know they they swept uh, Pittsburgh, and then they got swept by uh, I think it was Carolina last year. Uh, but he was phenomenal. Like I mean, he was you know, that was his first real playoff experience beyond just a couple of games here and there with uh, Ottawa. When he was really young, and he he more than stood up to the challenge. So I have a hard time seeing uh, DeBoer starting Flurry over Vegas, but I had a hard time seeing Dave Tippett starting Mike Smith over Miko Koskin, and <laughs> yeah. he did that too. This is the way coaches are hardwired: is they want the proven guy, they don't necessarily want the best guy. So I don't know. I mean, if the old saying is, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. If you have two goalies, you have no goalies. You need a goalie. You need one guy, and this whole idea of rotating goalies in the playoff series is insanity. So if Robin Leonard is in net, that's bad news for the Blackhawks. If Marc-Andre Fleury is in net, well, it's probably still bad news for the Blackhawks, but he's not the guy he used to be. I mean, his numbers are way down from the, from the height of his career, and I'm not sure he has the ability to carry a team through a playoff series anymore. So uh, their decision in goal is going to be a big factor in this. It was interesting. The Blackhawks had no interest in, in talking about Robin Leonard yesterday when <laughs> the first availability, and they kind of shut down any questions. And uh, you know, from just talking to the sources, that you know, this is sort of the Blackhawks' mentality toward this series. They feel like it's feeding into 
the narrative if, if they, you know, if, if they give them too much, uh, yeah, I guess give them too much motivation or anything like that. They, uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, th- I think Leonard loves that. You know, I, I think if the Blackhawks were to say anything negative toward him or, um, you know, even the idea, even Bowman saying today about, you know, not being able to resign him, that's why we, uh, we traded him. I, I think he reads into that stuff, and he and he 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 he. Oh, he reads everything. Yeah, so. he he reads everything, and he sees every tweet. So he is definitely a guy who feeds off anyone's negativity or uh, or dismissal of him. Yeah, uh, so, so. It, it, he's loving this. I mean, what was it, like six minutes after the game ended, he was tweeting awkward. You know, a gif. This guy loves the narrative. Most hockey players hate this shit, but Robin Leonard loves this stuff. It's one of the things that makes him so compelling a personality. I think the one thing the Blackhawks would like is for there to be a competition or a debate. You know, like if if Leonard thinks he should be playing and he isn't. Um, the only time that we really saw, you know, like Leonard wasn't happy about the shootout stuff and whatever. But, you know, and, and he kind of. He sometimes doesn't deal with criticism well, even when it comes to things like that. But then when when the whole salary negotiations were going on, that was the one time that he wouldn't talk to the media. And that it was like he was visually, you know, like he was affected yeah. by it. And, yeah. uh, you know, like his on-ice performance was, wasn't as good. So um, the Blackhawks are maybe hoping that, you know, maybe that maybe there is a little bit of a goalie debate over there and a little bit of a controversy. And maybe it leads to, leads to something. Um, usually well, he players. wants to play. I mean, once Corey Crawford kind of took the number one job back from him, he wasn't the same ebullient yeah. personality that he was. So, so yeah, maybe at some level the Blackhawks are hoping, you know, let's be quiet and maybe things implode in, in Vegas anyways with two, with two goalies and two guys that probably think they should be playing. Um, so it, it'll. It, I'm, I'm curious how this plays out. Obviously, Vegas needs to announce who, uh, who its goalies, you know, which goalie will start. And then, uh, um, yeah, just uh, – uh, but I, I think the Leonard element isn't going away as much as uh, as the Blackhawks probably uh, would hope for it. To- All right, let, let, let's talk about the draft. I'm, I'm curious. You know, I, I said yesterday on Twitter, I, I want the Minnesota Wild to win. This is a franchise that has never in its entire existence been exciting in any way. Like even when they signed Suter and Parise, those guys aren't like, we, I get to watch Ryan Suter play every night. It's not the same kind of thing. But now they got this guy from Russia, Kaprizov, the KHL star, the next Artemi Panarin, allegedly. And, and if they could get Alexis Lafreniere, that's a fan base that just wants to watch something exciting. That, that, that's a fan base that deserves to have something good happen to them because, God, it's so boring to be a Minnesota Wild fan for the last 20 years. They just, <laughs> they're just kind of there. They're never bad and they're never good. They're just kind of there. Um, you know, the, the, the anarchist in me wants to see uh, Edmonton win because just would be hilarious. But who do you want to see out of the eight teams? It's the Oilers, the Panthers, the Wild, the Predators, the Rangers, the Penguins, the Leafs, and the Jets. Who would you like to see win it? Uh, I guess I hadn't thought about that. Uh, Minnesota, I guess Minnesota would be interesting. We, we, we'd see them a lot. Kaprizov's a really, really special player too. So all of a sudden, Minnesota would look a whole lot different. Um, I don't. I feel like for hockey, like you need Connor McDavid going further, right? Like it's. I mean, this is on this is Edmonton's own fault that this hasn't worked out. But uh, you give them another ace, and maybe things are better. But another, they've had four draft lottery wins in the last like, decade, man. I know. I just, I, it's not. This is not good. That. How about Florida? Give him to Joel Quenville. See if see if he can get the uh, any fans down there excited. Yeah, about I wonder him. if I wonder if his job like with Dale Talon out. Does that change Quenville's job security over there? I. It's it's hard to imagine. 
But, uh, I mean, one of the reasons Joel went to Florida was because of Dale Talon. I don't know if, if Joel's going to just say, you know, fuck off and get out of there uh, with the way that situation's going. I have a hard if time there's an opportunity that. somewhere else, like, I, you know, he probably, at this point, he's like, I'm not sure if I enjoy Florida either, right? <laughs> he likes biking to the beach every day on his off days. Yeah. Um, How about the Rangers? I mean, imagine putting the kid in New York or, you know, Toronto. God forbid. Oh, God, please don't let it be Toronto. I just, I don't <laughs> Winnipeg, I mean, you'd love to – Winnipeg's got so much high-end talent as it is. You put another one up there, it'd be amazing. Yeah, like, but, I, I, basically, I want to see them – you know, like, I, if Panarin gets someone better, I, I'd love to – you know, the Rangers being relevant and uh, Panarin playing with another high-end player. And Zabanajad, that would give him a, a, quite a holy trinity. Those are three awesome yeah, players. Yeah, uh, What about the Penguins? It's been it's been 15 years. Every 15, 20 years, they, they win the draft lottery and win a superstar, right? It's, it's it's unfortunate the teams that really need this kid are you know the ones that, the ones that, <laughs> De- that have been home. Detroit and Ottawa got their noses pressed up against the yeah. window, tears streaming down their face. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the way this is supposed to work at all. No, the Penguins are like the all. fifth best team in the league this year, and they're going to win the goddamn lottery. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's yeah. I don't I don't know. Would you have done the lottery differently? Like it. I, I don't know. I, I I felt like they did it right, but this was always a possibility that was going to happen. I mean, you can't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can't not include a team like the Blackhawks or the Canadians in the draft lottery. But then they went out and they won. I mean, those are the two worst teams. The three worst teams were the the Coyotes, the Blackhawks, and the and the Canadians. You put them in this play-in series, you expect them to lose, and then they all won. I mean, this is what happens. And then but you it's, get some it's also chaos. like the NHL's fault in some ways. The teams were rooting, like fans were rooting against the Blackhawks and Canadians against their, you know, these playing opponents because of the way they set it up. Like I felt yeah. like there were there, there were certain negatives to how this was. And yeah, well, I, ha- I, Haley, our our, our our Ottawa writer, she she made a good point last night. She just likes to see would like to see you can't move up. You know, you have to be in the top five or six in order to move up to number one. Like, you know, when the Blackhawks, quote unquote, won the lottery last year, they went from, I think it was, was it 12 to three? Yeah, 11 um, to three or 12 to three. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah it, was, it was either one of those. So they went to three. They didn't win the draft lottery, but they moved up a ton. Yeah. If you made it like you couldn't move up to anywhere past five if you're in that range, maybe that's a way to protect the Detroits and Ottawa's of the world. But at the same time, you know, what did Detroit really earn this year? Did they earn anything? They were the worst team I've ever seen. You know, I, I love the gold system, which the gold plan, as they call it, where, you know, once you get eliminated, you start accumulating points. And the team that w- gets the most points after being eliminated gets the number one pick. It'll never happen, but it, it would encourage teams to try really hard down the stretch, even bad teams. But, you know, on the one hand, yes, Detroit needs this. On the other hand, Detroit doesn't deserve shit. They were awful and they didn't try to win. So the hell yeah. with them. So I, I don't really have a problem with it. I just I don't want it to be Pittsburgh. But if it's a team like the Rangers or the Predators or the Wild or the Panthers, those are the teams that are trying to win right now. They're just not doing a very good job of it. So I'm, I, I have no problem with a team like that winning. I just don't want it to be a team like the Penguins, which really doesn't deserve it. Yeah. Well, we've also seen that. I mean, I mean, you look at Kako and Hughes this year. I mean, these guys. Sometimes it takes these guys a couple of years. So it's not like whoever. You know, the gets last this. six number one picks are not in the playoffs. So it's not yeah. like it's a guarantee. It's not a golden ticket. It doesn't automatically put you in the in the playoffs. But it certainly helps when I guess if you bring in a guy like that and he's more of a role player than a, he has to be a star right away too. Right? Like if he, if he joins oh, Toronto, and he's, yeah. <laughs> he, he has it, all it, those players. Like it, it'd be great only- for the kid. It would be great for the team. There's no doubt about it. It's just. Do we really want to see Toronto and Pittsburgh get another superstar on a cheap entry level contract? 
You know it's going to happen too, right? It's totally going to be Toronto. <laughs> I'm encouraged because apparently it's like it, it's not going to be done behind closed doors. Like Gary Bettman's going to actually pull the ping pong ball since it's since it's just flat odds. Everyone there's just eight I like where this going so wrong though. Like he bounces, oh, the, like the ball drops, so and he can't he find it. it. Oh, it's going to be so great. It's going to be like when uh, when I, Yolanda would do the New York lottery every night before the local news when I was a kid. It's going to be so exciting. I'm, I can't wait for it tonight. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then tomorrow we get some hockey, 9.30 hockey. Terrific. Yeah, You know what? We talked about this last night. We're all up. It, it, it sucks because it's the night before the first day of school for my daughter, so I really don't want to be up till 2 in the morning. But I'm willing to pay that price because the next three games, those are all beautiful times. Yeah, those are great. I, Early yeah, evening, late afternoon, two weekend games. Hell yeah, I'll, pay, I'll take one 9.30 game for that. There you go. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, I guess we'll, some, we'll podcast at some point uh, in the series later on and um. Yeah, it'll be, I'm, I'm looking forward to. So, it, it, I think even now we're getting in our groove a little bit, covering these games, uh, you know, remotely and the whole system. And so, hopefully, we're we're even better uh, in the second round ourselves. So, uh, and we got some uh, some fun and exciting stuff. You got a neat story about Coy Crawford up on the uh, on the site today, and uh, some uh, some other stuff for 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 the week. And we'll have more analysis. And certainly with uh, Jesse Granger covering Vegas, we'll uh, we'll do some cool stuff with him too. So. Um, you got anything else you'd like to add, sir? Nope. That's, okay. That about covers it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> for, for Mark Lazarus, I'm Scott Powers, and this is Laz and Powers. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.